Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 24, Fighting Against Mom Guilt. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. My friend Lainey has a big, bold personality. She's confident and unapologetic about the things that matter to her, and she always just says it like it is. I, on the other hand, am more naturally prone to people-pleasing, and I worry about things I have no control over. So being around Lainey is very good for me. A few years ago, Lainey and I were talking on the phone about an online article that had gone viral that encouraged moms to stop being so hard on themselves. Lainey was a little bewildered by the article. She asked me an interesting question. She said, Rachel, is mom guilt a real thing? I mean, do some moms really feel like they aren't enough for their children? I laughed and assured her that many of us moms do. Then she said with her signature honesty, the only thing I ever feel guilty about is how often I think my kids are so lucky to have me. (laughs) I burst out laughing and she joined me. And then she continued and went on and said, Seriously, Rachel, my kids have such a good life. They have parents who love them. They have grandparents who love them, aunts and uncles who love them. I read them books every night. They go to good schools. They have food to eat. They have friends to play with, beds to sleep in, clean water to drink. I mean, their lives are basically perfect. And as I was Letting all of that sink in and thinking how wise that was, she went on and said, I'm not going to waste my time and energy feeling bad for them or bad about myself because they watch a little too much TV or they eat more sugar than I would like or I yell at them on occasion. My kids know that I love them. I'm doing my best and they are lucky to have me. So even though it's been several years since that phone conversation, I think of it a lot. Whenever I feel a familiar twinge of mom guilt creeping in, that thought that maybe the life that I'm giving my kids or the work that I'm doing as their mom isn't enough, I think of Lainey's wisdom and I remind myself that my kids are lucky to have me. I've told this story to lots of different moms in the context of mom guilt and perfectionism. And Lainey has become kind of a celebrity amongst my group of friends, even though they haven't met her. We all talk about that realization that our kids are darn lucky to have us. (laughs) So in this week's podcast, we're going to be talking about fighting back against mom guilt. 
we're going to be talking about when mom guilt might be useful, and sometimes it is, but when it's not useful and what we can do to fight back against it. So in my interactions on Instagram, um, on 3 and 30 podcast on Instagram, and then also through my emails, I have a monthly email newsletter that I sent out send out with all of the takeaways from the past month. And if you haven't signed up for that, I hope you will. But I ask moms to respond to that email and to tell me some of their biggest joys of motherhood and some of their biggest struggles. This helps me to get to know the audience and it also helps me to plan episodes based around what moms need and what they're struggling with. Uh, The responses are varied on that question about what their biggest struggles are. And honestly, I relate to all of them, all of the struggles that are mentioned. One that continually comes up is mom guilt. Not all women feel this. Like my friend Lainey doesn't feel it. And I think that's awesome. But I do feel it on occasion. And I think that I used to feel it a lot. But in the past five years or so, I've learned some strategies for battling against mom guilt And I wanted to share those with you today as our three takeaways. So my first takeaway, if you struggle with mom guilt, is to do what Lainey did in that conversation. And that is to list out, either on paper or in your mind, all of the amazing blessings that your kids have in their lives. So if you start to feel that nagging feeling that, Maybe you're not doing enough. Maybe they don't have enough. You're letting them down in some way. Their lives are letting them down in some way. Stop. Reject that and just make a mental list of all of the things that they have that make their lives so good. I went to South Africa a couple of years ago. I guess it was about a year and a half ago with an advocacy group to learn about how to get involved there with um, helping the people and the poverty that is there. And honestly, the poverty that I witnessed in some of the most rural areas there was staggering. These families had no clean water. They didn't have nourishing food. The kids didn't have opportunities for education. I talked to and heard about single mothers who have to travel by bus to their work in the city that's far away. They're domestic helpers in the cities. And they have to leave for work like before dawn and they come home after dark. And so many of their children are alone much of the time, fending for themselves in communities that aren't safe and don't have consistent access to food and water. This is a huge problem and this is one of the problems that's being addressed by the organization that I went with um, called Help One Now. And I can put a link to that if you're interested in getting involved there. But one of the things that I realized as I talked to to these good moms was that my kids and I really do have incredibly blessed lives. Um, You know, maybe they do watch a little too much TV on occasion. Maybe I can't get them involved in every extracurricular or I can't read to them for an hour every day or whatever it is that we feel and we start to feel guilty about regardless of that they have as Lainey said their lives are basically perfect Um, and 
being in South Africa helped me to realize that. I felt like I came home with a renewed perspective on how blessed I was and how blessed they were and how I wasn't going to sweat the small stuff anymore. I wasn't going to feel guilty or bad about myself as a mom because I was blessed to just be able to be there for my kids, which these moms in South Africa weren't because they were working so hard to provide for their families. They had to leave their children in dangerous conditions. And I just, I can't imagine what that would be like. And so I have to let go of some of my ridiculous mom guilt over things that just don't matter that much. So an example of this is my son is a really picky eater and I can get really down on myself for that. And I start to think things like if I ate more vegetables myself, if I didn't like sweets so much, he wouldn't be this way. Or I should have forced him to try more foods when he was younger and then he wouldn't be this way. It's all my fault. But then I find myself a week later thinking I forced him to try too many foods when he was younger and I ruined his natural appetite for healthy foods. So this is all my fault. (laughs) And it's like, I just can't win. Um, And I just come to realize my son is a picky eater and maybe that is partially my fault. But the truth is, it doesn't matter. He has food to eat He has a happy family to sit around the table with. And when I choose to focus on that instead of my failings as a mother, we are all a lot happier. And I do hope that someday he will grow up and start trying new foods and eating vegetables. But even if he never does, he still had a good life and I'm still a good mom. And it's so liberating and important to realize that. So that's your first takeaway. If you struggle with mom guilt in those moments when you feel it creeping in, either make a list on paper or just list off in your mind all of the incredible blessings that your kids have in their lives, both from you and from other people. And just realize that you don't need to feel sorry for them or bad about yourself. Takeaway number two, I feel like builds on takeaway number one, and that is to recognize and reject your filtered thinking. I hope that some of you have listened to episode 11 of my podcast, where I talked about my experience going to counseling for an eating disorder and the three best tools that I learned in counseling. One of those was I learned about filtered thinking versus big picture thinking. And filtered thinking is basically where you see yourself or your life through a very narrow filter, like one moment in your day defines your entire day. Like you're seeing it through this narrow lens, this small filter, instead of being able to zoom out and see the big picture. And if we learn how to recognize the moments when we're engaging in filtered thinking and say, stop, you know, back up, zoom out and see the bigger picture, I think it really helps to combat mom guilt. So let me give you an example just from this past week. So last Monday, a week ago today, was the first day of my kids' spring break. So first of all, Mondays is when uh, my episodes go live for the podcast and I need to spend a little bit of time 
doing some promotion. I send the links to the guests, the images, so that they can share on their feeds. I share on my feeds and just different things. And I needed, so I needed to spend, you know, an hour or so doing that. On top of that, I was trying to make plans for the week for fun with my kids, calling all of my friends. I was looking at options online for things to do around town. We live in a very small town in Idaho, um, Haley, Idaho, which is actually a really cool town. It's close to Sun Valley, but there isn't a ton to do Um, outside of skiing, which I'm not really up to doing by myself without my husband with my kids. And of course, my husband was going to be working all week. So I'm like, what are we going to do this week with these kids? So I was calling all of my friends. Every single one of our friends, I'm not even kidding, was out of town. And so then I'm like, okay, I'll call the Y and see if we can go swimming a couple of days this week. And their fun pool didn't open until 4 p.m. every day. And the more that I searched for things, I the more I realized that we were kind of striking out on things to do during spring break. My kids are both super spirited and they really need to be out and about doing fun things or else they fight like crazy. And then I go crazy. And so all of a sudden I realized like, we can't stay here. We need to go see cousins. We need to go do something or that else this week is going to be really hard. So spur of the moment, spontaneous, I decided that we would pack everything up into the minivan and drive a few hours and visit cousins and spend the week kind of road tripping together, me and the kids. I'm not usually very spontaneous, but I realized that this needed to happen. So on top of spending the time in the morning to promote the podcast, I also needed to spend a couple hours getting everything packed up. I had the kids help me pack their suitcases, but then I needed to do a bunch of stuff. My kids aren't that great at entertaining themselves. (laughs) We're working on it, but Long story short, I ended up just having them watch TV while I got ready for this trip. Partway through the day, I'm like thinking to myself, my kids have watched like four hours of TV today. And really they had. And that started to make me feel kind of sick inside and guilty. I felt the guilt creeping in. You know, I don't want them to watch that much TV. I'm a bad mom. Why can't they just learn how to entertain themselves? I should teach them how to entertain themselves better. Blah, blah, blah. The thoughts go on and on. And I sort of felt like this panicked feeling in my chest. Like, I need to hurry up and get everything packed so that they'll stop watching TV. And then I took a deep breath and I zoomed out. And I realized that I was seeing their life experience through the filter of one day. And my kids don't normally watch four hours of TV in one day. That is really unusual. Normally, they're going to school, they have friends, they have activities. And I just had to recognize that watching four hours of TV one day was not going to kill my children. Like that was not indicative of the bigger picture of their lives. And it did not mean that I was a bad mom. So I zoomed out and said, okay, look at the balance of their lives. This is not normal and it's fine if it happens for one day. Also look at the balance of this week. So yeah, the first day of their spring break, they watched TV for like four hours while I managed the rest of our lives. 
But then the rest of the week, they were playing with their cousins all week and having a blast. And I made that possible for them by spending that first day getting everything ready while they watched TV. So my filtered thought was because they watched four hours of TV that first day of spring break, I was a bad mom. They watch way too much TV. But when I was able to, and I literally take a deep breath and it definitely, I feel a difference. Like it, it calms my whole body. When I start to feel that panicky feeling, if I just pause, take the breath and then use some of these strategies and say, zoom out, Rachel, that's a filtered thought. Look at a big picture. It helps me so much. So that is my second takeaway. My third takeaway is to examine whether your guilt is beckoning you higher or dragging you down lower. And I want you to really think about that image as if guilt were personified. Is it, you know, standing, beckoning you to come a little higher, do a little better? Or is it grabbing onto your ankles and dragging you down into the pit of despair so that you can't do better? Sometimes a little bit of guilt is a good thing. It's like an internal little buzzer that lets you know, hmm, something's not right. I don't really feel good about this and I want to change and do better for myself or my family. So think about that when you feel guilt. Look at it and think, is this legitimate guilt or is this, you know, kind of ridiculous fluff guilt? And if it's legitimate guilt, what can I do with that feeling to improve? So let's go back to the TV example. Let's say that my kids were watching that much TV every day and I was feeling guilty about it. I could say to myself, hmm, okay, something needs to change here. I'm feeling a little guilty. So I am going to get together some activities that my kids can do on their own to entertain themselves. And I'm going to put them in a place that's accessible to the kids and to me. So in those moments when I'm stressed and I need them occupied, it will be really easy for me to just pull out some puzzles, some crayons, some activities, some games, and get them going on those. Now that's going to take me a few minutes of prep and thinking about how I want a new habit in our family. But it's worth it because that little twinge of guilt has made me motivated to change and to do better versus that guilt just dragging you down and making you feel like you can't do anything better because you just are feeling so bad about yourself. One of my favorite religious leaders, Neil A. Maxwell, has a quote about this, and I think that it's really applicable whether or not you are religious. He says that we need to be able to distinguish more clearly between divine discontent and the devil's dissonance. And he was known for his imagery and alliteration. (laughs) Let me read that again. We need to be able to distinguish more clearly between divine discontent and the devil's dissonance. So divine discontent is that little feeling that you get, that little prompting, you're a little bit discontent with how things are going. It's a little nudge to do and be a little better. Whereas the devil's dissonance, dissonance is a musical term meaning like tension or clash resulting from two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. So the devil's dissonance is making you feel this clash or this dissonance between 
who you want to be and who you are, and it's it's dragging you down. You feel hopeless, that there's no chance that you'll ever change or improve. It's not beckoning you higher. So think about that when you feel that mom guilt. Is this a little nudge of divine discontent? Or is this the pull of the devil's dissonance that is not productive? And can I turn it into something more productive by refusing to spiral into despair, but instead thinking, okay, if this is legitimate guilt, what am I going to do to change, to become better? Because that is the only way that guilt is even remotely useful. So those are my three takeaways that I feel like have helped me personally immensely to let go of mom guilt. I used to feel it a lot. I still feel it on occasion, but not nearly as much. And when I do feel it, I go back to these strategies and I'm able to fight back and kind of talk myself out of it, work my way out and make positive changes instead of just wallowing in the despair and the guilt. So those three takeaways are list either on paper or in your mind all of the amazing blessings that your kids have in their lives. And remember the immortal words of my friend Lainey. (laughs) The only thing I ever feel guilty about is how often I think how lucky my kids are to have me. I think we need more moms like Lainey in this world. Takeaway number two is to recognize and reject your filtered thinking and instead to zoom out and see the big picture. And takeaway number three is to examine whether your guilt is beckoning you higher or whether it's dragging you down lower and to respond accordingly. Now, because of the spring break craziness and the spontaneous road trip that I took last week that I told you about, I was not able to record with a guest this past week, and that's why it's just me talking today. I do want you to know that my schedule, my recording schedule for the remainder of the spring and into the summer is packed with awesome interviews of people who have really seasonally appropriate topics. So I hope that you will come back and continue to listen for those. I do love to share my own thoughts, and I'll probably do that about once a month. But I know that you guys are really here for the experts, and so am I. So we're going to get some good people on. And speaking of the experts, the response to last week's episode, which was how to stop looking at your phone so much and why it matters with Dr. Katie Penry, has been phenomenal. It has been by far the most listened to episode that we've had on the podcast thus far. So it really struck a chord. And I am so excited to know that so many moms are interested in this topic and are interested in changing and doing and being a little better. That is the purpose of feeling a little twinge of mom guilt. On my Instagram at 3 and 30 podcast, Dr. Penry received and answered some questions about the episode. And there were some great ones there. Um, Some of the overarching questions that people asked were things like, is it okay if I have friends at the park with me and I'm talking to my friends and I'm distracted from my kids? Or what about in previous generations when our moms read books or the newspaper or talked on the phone to their friends for long hours of time? Like, 
isn't that the same as being distracted by our cell phones? There was lots of questions like that and about like what should be, quote, allowed. Like, am I allowed to do work at the park while my kids play and be answering my own emails or is that bad? And I loved Dr. Penry did a post on her own feed at A Friendly Affair addressing kind of her overarching thoughts on these questions. And I wanted to read it to those for those of you that are not on Instagram. She says this, I've received a lot of great questions today over on the 3 and 30 podcast about technology, mothering, and how to do them both. Thanks, ladies. My favorite question that keeps recurring is something like, but what about reading, cooking, or talking with friends? Those are distractions too. Touche, mama. You're sharp. Here's the brief on that. These other distractions engage our brains in a way that is less absorbing. We tend to be more hospitable to distraction and more receptive to environmental stimuli. Plus, those activities model productivity and self-care. Cell phone use tends to be mindless, a kind of escape rather than rest. It is also insular and or isolated. Our children can't easily interpret what we're doing, why or how they can participate. Other household duties or hobbies not only model good care of self and other, they can easily be collaborative, communal, friendly. If you want to use your cell phone during family time for self-care or even work, simply let your children know what you're doing. I'm checking email, looking at your aunt's pictures, etc. And be intentional. I love answering your questions. Keep them coming. If you want more tips about healthy cell phone use with children in the house, take my lookup challenge link in bio. And her lookup challenge is at afriendlyaffair.com. And it's awesome. I strongly recommend that you all go check it out. So thank you so much to those of you who listened and who shared, which leads me to something that I wanted to talk about as well. This is episode 24 of the podcast, which means that it has been six months since 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms started. Woohoo! Um, and I know that I made a big deal at five months, episode 20, and now I'm making a big deal at six months. I promise I'm not going to do this every single month. Like, it's been seven months. It's been eight months. I'm not going to do that. But six months does seem like a pretty big milestone, and I'm proud and excited that we've gotten this far. I would love it if you could look back at the episodes that you've listened to, pick a favorite, screenshot it, and share it. And if you don't do social media, I would love it if you would just share it word of mouth, text it to friends, post it, you know, send it out in an email. If you love 3 and 30, will you please, please share it so that other people who need it can find it? And I think that the key there is to tell people why you enjoy it or love it instead of just like tagging somebody saying, you know, this is a podcast. It's only 30 minutes long and I get three really doable takeaways or I loved this episode because it taught me this, this and this and you guys should check it out, whatever it might be. It would be so helpful. It would mean so much to me. And make sure that you tag me so that I can see it and respond and say thank you. We do have some new people here who have come because of the big response from last week's episode. So I did just want to really briefly tell you about myself. My name's Rachel. I have two kids. They're my miracle babies. My son Noah is adopted, and you can hear a little bit more about his adoption story in episode six of the podcast, which is called Messages of Hope for the Darkest Times. 
And then my daughter, Sally, was conceived with IVF. And eventually, I'm sure I'll do a, uh, an episode or two on infertility and getting through that and those treatments. I am a former high school English teacher. I'm now home with my kids, but I do this podcast. And I also do a ton to help my husband. He is a pediatric dentist, and he just bought this small practice in this small town in Idaho about um, eight months ago. And so I've been doing a ton to help him to grow the business and market the business. And it's been really exciting. And... (laughs) Um, since we're talking about pediatric dentistry, I have to tell you that I did get a text from my friend Lainey, who I talked about in the beginning of this episode. She texted me not too long ago and said, Rachel, I felt mom guilt for the first time ever because my son has a cavity. (laughs) Her young son had a cavity and she felt guilty about it. So I thought that that was funny. And she knows that my husband is really passionate about not just treating and filling cavities but also preventing them that's kind of his life's mission and I'm sure I'll talk about that more on the podcast as well later so I am just like a regular busy mom like all of you juggling certainly not doing everything well at all Um, doing my best and sometimes these episodes are going to be posted late like today is going to go up late I'm just doing what I can do So thank you for understanding that. And I would be so honored if you could share the podcast so it can continue to grow and we can continue to get the word out about it. Please be good to yourself this week and don't let mom guilt drag you down. And I hope that you just have the best week loving on your little ones. I'm Stacey Toth. And I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne. And we'd like to invite you to come listen to our podcast, The Whole View. Each week, we follow the science for an in-depth answer to a listener-requested topic related to health and wellness. But we're not your typical health show. We're talking emotional and physical, looking at dozens of scientific studies to support our answers. You might be surprised what the science can tell us. When we share practical tips and embarrassing personal stories, we make sure no one is left thinking perfection is the goal. In fact, this one time at band camp... Uh- uh, not now, Stacy. Oh, right. Sorry. I was about to get on a soapbox again. The whole view is exactly that. A comprehensive and holistic look at important topics that likely resonate with you. We also take a body positive approach. And instead of engaging in diet culture, we focus on what the actual medical research says are the healthiest choices in terms of diet, lifestyle, and non-toxic living. And we're not afraid to bust myths that are trending in health conscious communities. Join us to laugh and learn and just feel like you're hanging out with your two nerdiest besties. Check out the Whole View podcast wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.